podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, sir. Happy New Year. Great Happy to New Year again. to you and yours. Good to speak to you. Thank you very much. Did you have a good Christmas? Very quiet. Very quiet. Which is well, good. We, are, we had two kids trying to rip the house apart three times, Christmas tree down. <sighs> joy, joy of joys. <laughs> well, all the Christmas decorations are down now, trees down, so we're, we're uh, sort of back to normal now. Uh, same year, we managed to take everything down. <laughs> so we're just happy. Um, you're getting busy. I'm happy to see that you've got more seminars this year, eventually. Yeah, we've got quite a few booked up already. There's a few still in the pipeline. Um, we've got uh, February doing a seminar with Lee Sims. Uh, we're doing that on uh, martial arts and the law. Uh, then later in the month, we've got uh, John Johnson, Adaptive Karate, going to be teaching with John. Um, April, Mary, Mary Stevens. Um, oh. That's going to be good. We're going to be doing some, uh, to raise some money for Fair Fight. So looking forward to that. Um, was invited down to Devon by Adrian Coombe to teach for the EJ, EGKF as well, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, you and I are doing a couple of them in there as well. We've got May and October. We're getting together, which is always good fun. Mm. Um, Ian, Ian Abernathy in June. Ian and I used to do them every year up until lockdown, and then um, we sort of they fell away. I think we've done one since then. So we're hoping to get back to doing those on a, on a regular annual uh, basis. And then uh, September off to France with Hansi Vince Morris. Um, oh, cool. Vince, Vince, Vince has been uh, my teacher, mentor, friend for a very, very long time. So it's always good to catch up with him. Hmm. But yeah, so they're the, conf- they're the confirmed ones. Um, still a few in the pipeline. So we're looking forward to booking some more in as the year goes on. But you're busy as well, aren't you? You've got a lot yeah, we've got quite... Yeah, we've got quite a few few booked in. Um, I think it's 19 this year so far. And as yours, mm-hmm. f- few in uh, in a pipeline. And pretty much most of the people who you teach with are going to be with me as well. So I'm trying to venture this year into a knife defense. All right, yeah. Look, looking what's going on around with the kids, I would like to try, learn something decent so I can... Um, I've passed it to my son. He's seven. It's about four years, five years. He's going to start worrying about it. Yeah. And, and you can see that it's increased um, amount of stabbing with involving young people. So I want to have uh, some backup plan just in case, you know. Yeah, I think the biggest and most important thing is awareness when it comes to things like yeah. knife. I'm, I'm very wary. I mean, I, I teach uh, what I call knife mitigation uh, workshops. And it's much more about awareness. Uh, there's a technical mm. element to it. Obviously, there has to be. Um, but it's more about looking for the, the signs, recognising um, signs. Um, so we go along those sort of lines. But there's some really good stuff out there. I know that uh, um, Tommy Joe Moore stuff has been really well received. And there's some really, yeah, uh, some really good stuff going on. But the trouble is with anything like that is that there's good and there's bad. And it's being able to tell the difference, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to, I've got Tommy booked in in August. 
Uh, it's purely for myself. So if anybody wants to join in, they can join in. But it's for my learning. Uh, yeah. We've got uh, Tomasz Machuga from uh, uh, Defendo. He's a mm-hmm. uh, friend of Marek, who you met from Poland. And they yeah. both are teaching in Polish academies in Poland. Yeah. And he's one of the highest levels of Defendo. So I'm going to try his stuff because I tried his self-defense stuff and I really liked it. I nicked a few things. Yeah. It's ni- nice and simple and no overcomplicated stuff, which, as we know, usually is, is, is a failure when you've got too complicated stuff. So, Well, I think from our point of view, again, often what, what I see online is that a lot of the stuff is taught from a knife fight perspective mm. rather than uh, defending against somebody who's holding an edge weapon. And that there's a very big difference between the two. The way the person holds the knife for a start uh, is different. Um, mm-hmm. If you've got knife against knife, that's a very different dynamic to um, knife against empty hand. And sometimes people, I don't think people really sort of see the difference in that. And it's um, has to be made, people have to be made aware of it. And also there's still the law of reasonable force, you know, the, mm. we've, we've got to consider the ramifications of, of what we do um, yeah. in terms of self-defense or, or protecting ourselves. I think, I think it, it's, with the knife is the same as Ian says about the martial, the martial arts and self-defense. The martial artists are really bad at teaching self-defense because we all look through the prism of um, competition and martial arts. And I think it's the same with the knife. People who do a knife as a martial art, teaching in the same way self-defense as we teach self-defense yeah. uh, from you know unarmed point of view. Well, pretty much all of my knife defense stuff comes from um, um, what I was taught by um, Hanshi Morris. Because mm-hmm. uh, Vince has been teaching practical um, knife defence for, for decades. And he's talked to police forces, uh, um, uh, uh, military forces of all kinds over the years. So it's a, a very sort of pragmatic, uh, tried and tested uh, strategy. And there's nothing complex about it. I mean, you can teach the basic shape and function um, in a couple of hours, then it just needs to be worked on to actually make it a little bit more instinctive, a little bit more automatic. Um, Anything complex is just too, too risky in those situations. Mm. It looks great. And it's a great way of developing your skill, but it's not necessarily pragmatic from the point of view of self-defense or personal protection. In my opinion, obviously. Yeah, so for, for me as well, I think the biggest challenge with, with young person, you know, I, I can't remember when I was 17, 18, is that walking away, don't yeah. get in trouble, that ego thing. So I try to find the ways how to talk to my son that, you know, it, it's okay just to walk away, yeah. give what you want and, and don't get involved in fights. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. Yeah. Ultimately, if it's somebody you don't know, walking away, it doesn't matter what they think of you. They don't know you, you know. Mm. So whether if you think, oh, I can't walk away, they're going to think less of me. Who the hell gives a shit? Nobody cares. You know, yeah, but it's difficult to away. difficult to explain to the young person who's got a big ego. <laughs> e- e- egos and alcohol are the biggest problems as we're growing up. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, but you know that that's the one area I want to venture, and as well, I'm going to venture into the kind of self-defense. I've been asked a few times for different charities if I can do a courses of self-defense. Um, so I'm venturing to into a uh, territory of Mary Stevens and um, Christopher Webb. So I'm going to be meeting with them next week, next week or two weeks. 
um, about structuring the courses and stuff like that and see how it happens. It's not that I want to do it full time, but um, the charities with the kind of emphasis on their mental health would like me to do it. So I offered, you know, I can get you married and stuff, but they said, no, people know you, people like you. And if you could do it, so I'm going to venture a little bit into that area as well. Forgive me interrupting the conversation with Don, but I would like to introduce you to Magic Mind Productivity Shot that I started using a few weeks ago, and I feel great. Um, it's got a slow releasing caffeine with the matcha tea, nootropics, mushrooms, and lots of goodies. Tastes nice and helps me to focus on the day. Helps me to do my tasks, like recording this podcast. I'm staying sharp, staying focused, and overall, I'm enjoying it. Magic Mind sponsoring this podcast and they would like to offer you a discount on a subscription. If you sign up for three months, you get a one month free and the link for that will be www.magicmind forward slash J-A-N anxious B-B. Furthermore, if you want the 20% on uh, any purchase, you can use my uh, promo code on the checkout, which is anxious B-B 20. Thank you very much, Magic Mind. I hope you tried. The uh, promotion lasts till end of January, so hurry up to get one if you want to. Thank you very much, and back to conversation. Yeah. Don't take on too much. Don't don't wear yourself out. You got a lot of stuff <laughs> to give. So. Yes, but you know that's it. not. Yeah, thank you. But that's that's not something that I ever focused on. You know, it's it's always the. Uh, kind of martial art, not not self-defense, but there's lots of crossovers. So I just want to check my concept. If I've got it on the right track, it's always nice to check with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, the, by nature of the fact we're doing a martial art there, there should be a, a self-defense element to it. It's not the only reason we train. If it was, we wouldn't still be training after all this mm. time. Um, because if it took, <laughs> I've been coming up to, I think, 48 years now. Um, so if it was still about self-defense, something went wrong in my training years ago, you know, so. Yeah, I think you would, be, you would be a bit paranoid if you did for 48 years all the time, ready for who the told, under, Who under told you that? Who, who, who told you I was paranoid? <laughs> I said you would be. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so 48 years, what's changed recently in your training? I've been asked the question, what's changed and what will change in five years' time of my training? So that's a good question. What, what would what change and what would change with yours? Um, well, I can't say what's going to happen in five years. Who knows? Um, I'm 61, uh, 62 this year. Um, so five years' time, don't know. Hopefully, I'm still improving. I'm still learning. I'm still developing my skills. I might have to modify. I've modified the way you train. The thing, thing is, as we get older... We have to train smarter. Mm. Um, we can get away with doing silly stuff when we're younger because we recover really quickly. But um, if things go wrong, if I end up uh, injuring myself because I've done a stupid weight workout or I've overstretched or I've done something that I shouldn't be doing. Um, so if I'm not training mindfully, I'm much more likely to injure. And if I'm, So I think as we get older, we appreciate the importance of mindful practice as opposed to just training. Mm -hmm. I, I've noticed we actually talked about it yesterday on a class that um, for me injury is usually not happening during the training 
but in the yeah. areas just before training or after training. A couple a couple months ago, I was um, talking to my students saying in Cezanne, and I got up and twisted my ankle. I was kicking all the session, no problem. But just on the end, not paying attention, stepped wrong. Yeah. Yes, well, yesterday, I think it's when... yeah, yesterday I was, uh, no, two days ago, I was uh, thinking about doing handstands. And I tweaked something in my neck moving fast. It's like, yeah, not doing exercises before. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you tweaked your neck thinking about doing the handstands. That's impressive. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I'm skilled. <laughs> Now, I think that uh, ultimately injuries, it, when you're training, there's a certain amount of adrenaline pumping through your body. Mm. Uh, and so it masks something. So it's easy to do a little bit too much sometimes. Um, but I think the thing about injuries is that whereas when we were younger, we could often train through injuries. Mm. As we get older, we need to make sure that we let the injuries heal. doesn't mean we stop training. We just change our training. Um, I think some of the biggest improvements I've made in my, my personal progress I actually have been during times of injury. So it's made me focus on something else. Uh, so it's allowed me to develop maybe a, a weaker area uh, mm. uh, to make it into a stronger skill base. So I think that injuries, although I wouldn't recommend people get injured to improve other skills, I mean, it's, <laughs> you, you can still train. You can keep on, you can keep on training, just modify it. You change what you're doing, um, change yeah. the way you train. Um but I think it's it's you know injuries are part of what we do. It's, it's there. We there's always that risk, isn't there? Um, yeah. So I think if we accept that, understand that, yeah, part and parcel. Don't be fearful of it, but just train sensibly. Um, push yourselves. I, I I can't remember where I read it, but there was something really interesting. It might have been on a podcast actually. Uh, and when they tell people to um, step outside their comfort zones, okay, which to a degree I I, I accept. But what they said is what you want to be doing is stretching your comfort zone. Mm. So just pushing it out that little bit each time. Uh, and the comparison I always think of is if, you're, if you want to do 130 kilo bench press, but you're only capable of doing an 80, you're mm. not going to go straight up and do 130. You're going to destroy yeah. yourself. For so sure. you've, got to, you've got to do that gradual increment. You've got, to, you've got to stretch yourself, but you've got to believe that you can achieve that stretch. You've got to believe that uh, it's attainable. Mm. Um, this is so I think that's something to think about as we get older as well. Yeah, I think that uh, my teacher always was saying that, you know, I said, oh, sensei, I can't do this. Is it because you don't believe you can? Mm. And if you start believing in, in things, they start working out. I had that problem with teaching seminars because, you know, are you doing something and you're showing the technique and it's like, oh, but it's not really working for me and you can feel it inside. But yeah. then another seminar... I was convinced, yeah, it's going to work, and it did work. So the yeah. power of mind is this kind of underestimated area of martial arts, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, thinking a uh, back kick. I used, I still not a big lover of back kick. It seems impractical in many ways, um, but I remember hating it. Never, only ever did it because I had to do it. Uh, and I remember having a conversation with somebody. Um, wasn't even it was wasn't a competition. It was just a, like sparring, mm. and they they explained to me their take on back kick i thought that sounds interesting and then i may immediately managed to pull it off up until that mm. point in time it just because i didn't believe it would work it wouldn't work so if you say yes i can you're far more likely to achieve something than if you say no i can't if you can't yeah. you've already lost it you can't do it yeah you're putting yourself a barrier isn't it yeah absolutely hey. 
it's interesting from through your um experience i'm just thinking about it because we've always been doing and as sports doing this a lot the the visualization do, do you come across often visualizations in martial arts crap clubs because i'm i've not i don't don't hear very often about it from the people no I, it's something we use all the time i i use it in my training i use it in my teaching because um particularly when we're looking at something, if we want to see something and work it in a functional setting, we need to create that functional setting. So mm. everything's role play is scenario training. Now that doesn't mean we have to go to a nightclub or we have to be in a darkened room or we have to be in civilian clothing. Although I highly recommend you training a gi and in civilian clothing, mm. though not at the same time, it gets a little bit too hot. Um, so what I would suggest is that uh, role play it, play it out in your mind. When somebody does an attack, in your head, it's a real attack. In their head, it's a real attack. That doesn't mean we're trying to kill each other. It just means that they're aiming on target. Um, you know, they've got to be a good uki. And being a good uki isn't about um, being nice and being friendly. It's about doing the techniques properly, doing mm -hmm. the techniques on target, understanding the drill, what's trying to be developed in the drill, not being an awkward bugger just for the sake of it. Mm. Um, so you've got to be a good uki. But I think also, as I said, role-playing scenario training is something that you play out in your head. In my head, when I do drills, uh, I've got a, a verbal exchange going on before uh, the exercise happens sometimes. Uh, once we get into it, I'm thinking about how do I finish? How do I enter? How do I uh, exit from this? So it's not just... Um, I mean, if we think in terms of Keon and even Kata to a certain extent, what we're doing is we're practicing an element of something. Keon doesn't give us entry and exit. It just gives us the middle. It allows us to work on developing those skills. Mm. Might, I'm waving my hands around here like it means something. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we need to be able to develop those skills. And the best way to do that is to create a picture in your head. So, I mean, I was using visualization techniques before I even started reading about visualization techniques because mm. for me, it was really important that you played out the scene um, as you were expecting it to to happen in, in real life, because then things start to, to make a little bit more sense. And also highlights what's wrong with some of the, the so-called so -called traditional uh, approaches to the way that we train um, our art, because the ranges are wrong. Um, mm. So we've got to work from a realistic range. You've got to be close enough to touch. You've got to be close enough to reach out to each other. I mean, if you're not close enough to, to make that connection, then there's no need to get involved physically it's only when that mm. range changes um that things become more um necessary i guess and, and i think also when we talk in terms of setting up a lot of times we talk about self-defense in martial arts and what we do is people square off and they take it in turns to do their mm. drill but there's no real connection to what might happen if somebody's an aggressor they step up to you mm. yeah in a self-defense situation, it's not two people stepping towards each other. That's a match. Yeah. It's somebody trying to enter your space. If you're entering their space, you can't really argue self-defense. If you're going into their space to, to uh, enter into a combative uh, uh, exchange. So, again, something like that has to be addressed in, in the way that we train. And all of our training is, is geared towards, okay, who's the attacker, who's the defender? They're entering into the attackers, entering into your space so that you then have to uh, uh, negate 
uh, their attempt to uh, do you harm. Mm. I, I think I hope that Christian won't have a uh, won't be upset. But I think what you said is a modern tradition. I know he uses that term for his karate, but you know it's it's not very traditional. I, I no. I'm hundred percent sure. I have no evidence for that, but I am sure from what I see in Qatar, it is a grappling close quarter system. Yeah, not a yeah. modern tra- modern tradition, uh, six foot away match. Yeah, yeah, and the, the, the stances we use, the stances are there to help develop mobility, uh, mm. strength, uh, awareness of balance, uh, shifting of body weight. Uh, the transitions are far more important than the actual stances. Stances just give you an indication of where the weight needs to be when you're executing uh, mm. the movement or finishing off through the movement. Um, more importantly, is the transitions. It's the transitions where actually all the action occurs, all the, all the good stuff occurs. Mm. Um, not the starting point and the finishing point. Um, so again, if we look at that, we understand that uh, what we should spend time on is yes, do the stances, uh, work on developing mobility, but if you can't move smoothly from one position to another, then the stances are crap. No matter how good and strong and stable they look when you're in your front stance or your back stance, if you can't move fluidly through to the next position, that stance is crap for you. And, and mm. I think you have to work on the idea. Stances explain weight ratio, transfer of weight, how to move efficiently, maintaining posture, uh, good balance, etc. Um, but they are training vehicles. They're there to develop a basic understanding of movement. They're not set in stone. Mm-hmm. So when we apply them, we have to be much more flexible uh, in that approach. Do you think that's that's how they've been taught? Because if you look on like wrestling and uh, boxing, you still got emphasis on the body weight, on the right mm-hmm. leg and movement. But the way of they that they taught it's all in motion, which yeah. karate have got that. It's I see only in karate and karate related stuff that it's that em- emphasis on stop, check yeah. your posture. Do you think that was taught like that on the beginning, or is it just the Japanization and their um, kind of obsession with details and naming and have it everything fixed in the frames? At least that's my. At least that's my. Uh, impression of Japanese culture. If there are any Japanese people listening, feel free to correct me in a, in a comment because I've never been in Japan, only got a couple of friends from Japan. But yeah. that's how it comes across to me. Well, I've never never wrestled, uh, much as I'd like to have had the chance when I was younger. It wasn't something that was available to us. Um, I think it's a great uh, system. I think it, it's, I mean, I, watching the way you blend your wrestling background with your karate, you can see that they're, they're meant to work together. Mm. Um, uh, they enhance each other, which is really good. I think that in many ways, what we're seeing now is um, a pragmatic approach, uh, the, the sort of so-called traditional, uh, a pragmatic approach to teaching loads of people at the same time. Mm. Um, yes, I think there's probably an element of everything has to be just so um, from that sort of Japanese psyche perspective. But I think it, it's one of those things that people latched on to and it just sort of morphed into something um, far bigger than it ever should have been. Mm. Yes, you need to learn structure. And the best way to remember a structure is to get into a stance, think, okay, this is my stance. Can I move? This is, this is a good way to train that uh, um, posture. 
But I think that, as I say, I think it, it got uh, warped, it got morphed, it morphed into this sort of primary teaching module uh, or mo- mode that um, basically detracted from what we were trying to teach people. So I think, yeah, you, we need to teach movement straight from day one. You know, it has to be, if I can't move smoothly into this position, that position isn't any good. If I can't move from this position, that position's no good. I've got to be able to make that transition work. Um, so sometimes it means making stances a little bit higher. Sometimes it makes making stances a little bit shorter. Doesn't mean we can we throw out the baby with the, the bathwater. It's still the, the idea of shifting weight, you know, weight ratio, 70%, 30%, whatever the style uh, stylistic preferences are, is relevant because it's telling you where most of the weight wants to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've got, to my mind, I teach the idea of the stances as three basic uh, positions with variations on those. So the three primary things people have to learn straight away is you've got front weighted, you've got rear weighted, you've got middle weighted, evenly weighted. Mm-hmm. Um, so once they get their head around that, it actually makes life a lot easier to move into the other uh, uh, stances, the shorter stances and, and, and all the rest of it. For sure. Yeah, I, I had a similar approach, so we're not focusing so much on the on the stances, but you know, if we go deeper in stances, it's for mobility and flexibility and and kind of kind of strength of the legs. But yeah, the most is transitional. Doing the, the deeper start again. There, this is something that happens as we get older as well. We've got injuries. I've got arthritis uh, in my knees, my hip, my shoulder. Um, I've got limited range of movement in my ankle dorsiflexion um so therefore that doesn't mean i, I have to stop doing the stances i've just got to be sensible about how i do them mm. you know, i think actually uh, i'm you know thankfully i think i'm better now than i was um 10 years ago i'm better then when i than i was 10 years before that i'm managing to continue to improve because i understand my movements more i'm mm. better at moving I'm more connected to my movement. I know how my body works. So therefore I can make those uh, little blends, those little adaptions. I mean, a a good example is if you take any sport, uh, top tier performer in any sport, they will all perform their techniques in a similar way, Uh, whether it's running, whether it's playing tennis, you know, a backhand is a backhand, uh, a lob is a lob. Um, So they all use the same basic information the same basic skill set but they all do it in their own way Mm -hmm. and i think this is where we need to sort of see karate develop or martial arts develop as a whole is that yes we use the same template we use the same model but actually everyone has to be able to express that model uh in their own way and it takes guidance and time to do that but you know that's ultimately what we're all trying to do isn't it yeah, it's again. I have to credit it to my teacher, who always was saying, "Don't be a carbon copy of me. Do karate you, yourself. Make it yours." And I try to install that in 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 my students, because I see that especially people coming from, uh, let's say, more traditional, modern traditional dojos are geared to do monkey see, monkey do, and just copy, just shut up and copy, and they all try to strive to move like me or do stuff like me, wanting or not wanting, we are the influencers of our students and subconsciously they start moving like you. I see that on myself and my teacher. Now it's changes, but literally when I moved to UK, I moved like him 
now it's kind of having my own identity in it but yeah. the students are copying you so i really put the emphasis that you know you you're taller than me not many shorter than me in my dojo but couple um you have to move and work differently especially when you spar when you do do techniques it has to be different yeah. because we are different so yeah but people will copy and people should copy until they can actually move beyond that idea of just copying until they make the mm. technique their own um a lot of people also prefer that approach because they don't really have to think mm. there's a big plus in monkey see monkey do because you can actually switch your brain off, brain off and just copy what the uh, instructor uh, sensei is showing you mm. um, I... so there's there's an appeal to that but i think there's a natural point at which you transcend that and that's think, different I... for everybody yeah i i think it it Depends in the core what you want from your martial arts. If you want it as a hobby or you want it as a study. Right? Because those who just put it like I, I describe it like achieving the uh, certification, it's something so you can hang it by the toilet so people see that you're a black belt, but you have not, not really interest in getting deep dive in it and making it yours for working. It's just something you want to achieve. Do you think many people take up martial arts as a study? I think virtually, I mean, there's going to be a few, but I think most people are looking for something to do. Mm. It's a hobby. It becomes a study. Yeah. Uh, when I first started, um, I used to enjoy the sparring. I used to enjoy the physicality of it. Um, but I wasn't thinking that I'd still be doing it now. If somebody told me when I started that when I was in my 60s, you're still going to be doing this, I probably would have given mm. up then. All right. Well, so I, I don't know. I was always obsessed with it, so I don't know. I know I, I got the bug really early on, but it, again, it wasn't something that um, I didn't think of it as a study then. Mm. It was just something that I found an all-encompassing hobby. I, you know, I just it was a hobby. I started yeah, as a hobby, sure. um, and as time developed, I just got more and more hooked and more and more into it, and I trained more mm. without even realizing it. You, you know, end up uh, you, you do some sort of practice. Pretty much every day, don't you? When you when you start, it's uh, very easy to um, get carried away. But I think, mm. again, the emphasis I would think, uh, going back to the earlier question we talked about, um, what you do as you get older, um, is you practice harder, um, you practice more, uh, a mindful um, practice. You know, um, we're talking about a uh, difference between. Uh, martial arts as a sport or martial arts for um, self-defense um, I see self-defense as um, thinking a bit more in terms of self-protection and that isn't just protecting yourself against somebody else that's protecting yourself against yourself mm. not doing let, not letting ego take over and do the extra rep that you can't do not letting your ego take over and trying to push that stretch a little bit further than you really know you can't do um, and end up injuring yourself. So protect your body by training properly, um, by training in a balanced way. Um, if you're doing, uh, simply put, if you're doing pushing movements, you want to do pulling movements as well to balance it out. Mm. If you're flexing, you need to extend to, to balance it out. You've got to look at training things in a, in a very, um, to, to use an overworn term, holistic way. Um, and I think also self-protection encompasses what you've done so brilliantly is look at the, the impact that martial arts training can have on mental health. Mm. You know, we're, we are, we are looking after our mind. We are, and again, we are being mindful in the way that we train, which allows us to be 
caring. We've got we've, we've got to care for others, but we've also got to care for ourselves. There's got to be a lot of self care involved in our martial arts training. I think. Yeah, for sure. And again, that's something. Thirty years ago, if I'd heard me say this now, I would have said, "What's that? What, <laughs> what a load of nonsense!" But it's really important that we we do execute self care. We do carry out self care. Uh, and actually, martial arts is a really good way of doing it because it allows us to stay connected to our body. We can see that mind-body connection in everything that we do if we're training mindfully. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that comes across and that helps us improve. So you can um, do a little bit of practice or you can do a lot of practice. You can do a, a hard workout or you can do a light workout. The important thing is, is that we keep on doing it. Mm-hmm. The only mm-hmm. way to get good at anything is to do it, but to do it mindfully. Uh, and uh, to quote um, um, Steve Rowe, uh, uh, I remember him saying to me once, if you don't want to do something wrong, it's easy. Just do it right first time. <laughs> but, but what he means is um, do it to the best of your ability. Always try and do it to the best of your ability. Don't coast. Mm. He's not saying that a white belt can do something at a black belt level. He's saying that basically uh, you just got to do the best you can. Always do do the best you can when you practice. Makes sense. And that's, that, that's, that's, that resonates. That's a really important um, mm. uh, perspective on it, I think. Yeah, I, I recently was uh, listening to a Shigan uh, Cameron Queen from Kyokushin from Australia, who was a kind of huge influence on my teacher. So I always listen about him. Now I met him only through online. And I do admire him as well. But he said that uh, Masoyama creating the 52 techniques of Kihon wasn't really thinking about Kihon as a strictly technical development. But the sequence that Kyokushin does it is geared to work all the muscles in one holistic warm-up. So you're starting from this, then you go in this, so you've got the mobility of the shoulder and so on. So it is like a longevity tool built in into your warm-up. So it's a perfect warm-up for all body because you're compressing every joint, every movement. And now when I'm getting older, I appreciate that a lot and it makes more sense um, as a tool for a warm-up, spending that time doing the 52 techniques every time. Yeah, um, we see uh, all sorts of good warm-ups, some, some are a bit more extreme than others, but I think the best way to warm up for an activity is to go through the motions of the activity or do something that mirrors mm. the movements of the activity. Um, and I think that's, that's important because you're warming up the movement, you're warming up the joints, you're warming up the muscles, the connective tissue, you're stretching uh, uh, the, the uh, connective tissue, the fascia. So this is all working um, towards getting the body temperature up and allowing it to move more smoothly. Also, it's, re- it's reviewing it mentally. Mm. Um, so always we always go through movements slow to start off with and then start to build up um, the speed and the movement. There's an optimum optimal point in all movement where if you rush it, it collapses. So speed has to come out of doing the movement. Mm. As the move gets faster, yeah, if you still feel the connection, that's why I say we go back to this idea of mindfulness in training. Uh, this hard, hard, hard all the time is um, basically it's, it restricts your progress. You know, it slows down your progress. It actually makes it much harder to feel what's going on. And if you want to 
connect and get stronger and move more efficiently and you want to generate more power, the way to do that is feel the body, feel how the body moves, feel the connections, mm -hmm. feel the stretch, feel the expansion, feel the contraction, releasing the theater. So all of this is um, something we get out of training softer. And if we start slow and soft and then start to ramp it up a little bit as the body gets more acclimatized, we're going to get a more efficient um, workout. Mm. We're going to get yeah. we're going to more efficient uh, skill development. Yeah, I do I do similar, although I kind of drifting between two concepts. One, do exactly what you're going to do on training as a warm up, as you just said, and the other one is the trying to get people restored mobility because most of my students sit all day by the desk. Yeah. So the simple tasks as are always um, a bit challenging, not always, but mostly challenging. You know, do a squat. I can't. So, so I decided to change my warm up for do a little bit of a warm up, it's, uh, running around, do some animal movements, just to try to give them the things they need, not only martial arts, but as well overall mobility. Because, as my friend and you know, Marek from Poland says, it doesn't translate quite nicely to English as it sounds in Polish, but you know, you can use martial arts sometimes. But you will the ability to move you're gonna use every day. Yeah. So yeah. if I can restore through training a little bit of a function of the overall body, it's gonna be far more beneficial for them than punching somebody in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that holistic approach. It's something mm. that's actually martial arts should be about protecting the body, looking after the body. Uh, we do uh, joint mobility warm-up. We'll do sort of joint rotations. We'll do uh, mobility exercises, movement patterns. Uh, then might, sometimes we might run through kata as a warm-up, mm. just slowly running through kata, mirroring the movements, taking elements out of the kata and just work, working that drill. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we, 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 I mix my warm-ups around a little bit. Uh, sometimes we should just go through Keon and do it nice and slowly and build it up. Mm. Um, and I think that, it's a much more practical way of using limited time to improve skill. Because um, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, people come to us, hopefully, they, if they're coming to me for a workout, they're coming to the wrong place. So, you know, they'll get, a, they'll get a workout, but actually what I'm there is to develop their skill. Um, so if I can spend an hour and a half developing their skill, I'd rather do that than spend half an hour beasting them with a warm-up and then... Um, do um, 45 minutes where we're going through techniques and then 15 minutes when I'm doing um, whatever, uh, partner-based exercises. So uh, I, that that doesn't interest me. It's not a great way to develop skill. I think, mm. you know, doing martial arts is great because it develops a, a better all-round mobility. It develops a certain amount of strength. It develops a body awareness. We move more efficiently. We stand better. We breathe better, hopefully. Um, so all of these things come out of it. But, you know, if you want to do strength training, do strength training. If you want to do cardio, do cardio. If you want to do karate, do karate. Mm. Um, but, you know, don't try and make it all things to all people because it's not that. And I don't think in the old days people used to train that way. You'd have, like, time to do your hojo-ando um, training. You'd have time to do your uh, your kata or your, your uh, kumite. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily do them all in one chunk mm. you know you could break the day up into different training modules uh, if you have time both people have time 
Um, and yeah. again, that's that's where I think that problem came is because people work all day. They want something that's going to give them everything. Mm. Um, but it, it's it's not designed for that. And I think that's probably where we've seen a little bit of the decline in the way that we um, train. You know, do some reps, rest for a bit, do some more. You know, do, it, it, very much like a uh, a strength training routine. You just don't plow through, go, 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 go. Work hard, have a bit of a breather, analyze, do a little bit more, a bit of a breather, analyze what you're doing, move, go back, do the, the movements again. Um, always looking for a better understanding and better movement each time. Mm, for sure. Uh, some, some, some people are just looking for that workout routine. I've got one student who yeah. just came and said, oh, I just want to get fit. But now when he started doing stuff, he said, oh, actually, I really like it. I didn't thought it's going to be that enjoyable. Well, yeah, I, I don't think you should turn people away if they come to you and say, I want to get fit. Um, so well, there's an element there. I mean, because they'll know after a while, you, you want to get them through the door and you want to get them training. We teach because we feel like we have something that is of value to people. Mm. Okay. It's something we enjoy. Um, but, you know, I've met pe- people like yourself, you know, I've met great teachers who are really interested in seeing other people improve. And that to me is what makes a good teacher, somebody who wants to see other people improve Mm. Um, rather than show off what they know. Although there has to be an element of that because otherwise how, what are people going to aspire to? But um, it's, you know, we want people to improve and that comes across in the way that uh, certainly you teach uh, all the names I mentioned earlier on. They're all great teachers uh, and they're great martial artists uh, who will, um, their aspiration is to see people get better, to improve themselves, but also to help people get better. And I think that ultimately, if we do that, then we've got a positive, um, what's the term? Uh, we want to think in terms of martial arts as a community, you should be out there helping each other. Hmm. I, I think I that's think... one thing. Uh, I, th- I think UK is very good in that, at least the circles we are kind of going around. It's it's a lot of support from, from everybody towards everybody. So Yeah, I think like-minded people gravitate towards like-minded people. You know, so this is, uh, I think it is good. I think there's still a lot of the old ways going on out there. There's still a lot of um, animosity between associations and uh, which is, which is sad. Um, when you think of it as a, a business model, I suppose it's understandable, but um, it's not good for martial arts in the long term. And that's what we've all yeah. got to consider. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen, uh, Tommy was posting about it, that uh, some traditional karate organization have a beef with him now, stepping into the traditional dojos and teaching his nonsense. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's such a nice guy and very respectful towards everybody. He tries everything, but the people will be people and they're always going to be picking on people and trying to um, belittle people to make themselves feel better. I think it comes from a position of fear. Um, mm. And I don't mean necessarily fear from a point of view that they feel what they're doing is inferior. It's just that they are scared that they're going to lose their revenue um, if their people go off and train elsewhere and see mm. that there's other stuff available. It doesn't sort of disqualify what they do i mean if somebody's doing sport but i mean i think it does if somebody teaches predominantly sport-based martial art and keeps on advertising its self-defense that really annoys me um but likewise if somebody advertises self-defense and they've got no haven't got a clue 
as to uh, what the hell they're doing, that equally annoys me. It's uh, And they might be very skilled at what they do. They could be very skilled um, um, competitors, but that doesn't necessarily immediately cross over into that uh, um, self-defense paradigm. There has to be, there's crossovers. As we were saying, you were saying earlier on, there's always crossovers, but it's being able to identify those connections, identify identify those crossovers and work and focus on those crossovers rather than bringing some of the other nonsense um, that happens, unfortunately. Another question that comes up often, people asking me, and I'm wondering what you think about it. Um, do you watch Karate Combat? Is it good for a karate's image or bad? I have watched it um, in the early days. I think I started first time I saw it was a few years back. Um, but I think it's much bigger now, isn't it? They're doing a big mm-hmm. push for it. They've got uh, a couple of big names involved in it as well, haven't they? Um, it's 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 okay. Uh, it's it's another form of um, um, competition. And if competition's your bag, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I don't have a problem with competition in general. It's just not something that I do. I think that, you know, I admire um, the skill uh, of these athletes, uh, whatever their combative background is, whether it's, you know, sort of WKF or um, um, karate combat or K1 or or, um, um, whatever. Um, I admire the skill. It takes a lot of training, a lot of dedication Mm -hmm to be good at though and it, it people will immediately slag it off because you look at things like um wkf you get these people bouncing around yeah but you know you've got two highly skilled individuals it's a bit like mm. watching judo you can't watch if you watch two elite judo players it's really dull to watch yeah same for wrestling yeah because they're neutralizing each other out all the time they're, they're, they're negating each other's ability to do what they want to do they're trying to set it up What's going on is a hell of a match, but it's not good from a spectator's point of view. Mm. Um, but the skill level is phenomenal. You know, the dedication, the time and effort they put into developing that skill has to be admired. Has to, mm. You know, you can't slag it off. It's even with um, this taken extreme. And I've, I've <laughs> well, I won't say what I've said about it before, but um, look at uh, WTF Taekwondo. Mm. Um, they have their arms dangling down by their sides and they're throwing out these kicks. Now, it's so dull to watch. But these guys are incredibly fit, strong, agile athletes. Mm. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort to develop that skill. Yeah. You know, one, one of my... Um, uh, one of my, my favourite things to watch, actually, is uh, uh, when, I, when I troll through YouTube, is the uh, Team Catter events. Mm-hmm. Um, not because it's anything that I do. I mean, I can recognise the cater more often than not, but um, I just, I, I just think the time it takes to develop that level of synchronisation is phenomenal, and it's beautiful mm-hmm. to watch. And the creativity in their their so called bunkai—it's not bunkai I'd ever use—but mm-hmm. um, the creativity in there is just phenomenal. It's like watching a, a, a nicely. It's, we most of us have grown up watching the old kung fu films. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, and that's for a lot of us is why uh, we took up martial arts, whether it's Bruce Lee or whether it's uh, Sean Connery in um, um, You Only Live Twice or, or whatever uh, format it is. You, um, you admire what they do. You admire the skill. 
So it's like watching a choreographed um, movie uh, scene, you know, it's it, but in, in real time. So you've got to admire the skill there. It's, uh, you yeah. know, it's, just, it's I, phenomenal. I think the, the image of uh, kind of full contact karate is going to be good for, uh, for promoting karate overall. But watching more of it, uh, I'll kind of uh, stop watching it. Uh, I think it's... Um, the people who are really skilled in, because it's predominantly Shotokan, are uh, really good at WKF, doesn't translate really well to a full contact fight because they just start throwing haymakers and it kind of mm. looks untidy a little bit. Maybe it's just my perception. But I moved to watching one one championships because you've got the Muay Thai, you've got the kickboxing, you've got the MMA and you've got the BJJ there fights so yeah. it's just more entertaining and i think it's a little bit better organized and more variety of of things but overall i think it's, it's positive image for karate as a legit whatever that means um fighting we've got to see what the platforms are for bringing people into the art mm. and it has to be quite uh visceral i think you know for people to be drawn in to do what we do there has to be a reason for them to want to do it so whether that's because it looks uh, looks amazing, sort of visually uh, uh, aesthetic, visual aesthetic is, is high, or whether it's uh, because it's got that combative uh, element to it. Whatever it is that brings people in is a good thing. We then have to make those, uh, um, we have to make them aware of what the reality is once they um, come through the door. Um, and that's always going to be a little bit of a challenge, I think. Yeah. There's loads of clubs out there and they all have their own focus. Um yeah, so I think that it's you got to you got to find the right place for the the individual. And as a teacher, if I had somebody come along to me and I didn't think we were quite the right fit after we'd had a little bit of time, I would try and recommend somewhere that might be more suitable to them. For sure. And I would yeah, hope that I other instructors would do the same thing. Mm. Yeah, I do that. Need that as well. So, um, yeah, I think. I'm going to have to shoot off soon for a teaching. You've got a busy day ahead as well? Uh, yeah, pretty busy today. Um, but uh, I've got a, an hour or so off, so I can uh, go and have something to eat, and then I'll be back to work this afternoon. Always pleasure talking to you, sir. And Absolutely. I'm going to put the links in the description to your stuff. Um, again, I think that it's cool. great that... Um, Sensei Don's getting more seminars because it's worth going. And if you haven't trained with Don, go and do it. Because it's worth yes. it. Yes. Come and train <laughs> with me, please. <laughs> hey. Uh, that, is, that is brilliant. Thank you. It's always good to speak to you. Uh, it doesn't always have to be on an official uh, podcast platform. Always good to speak. Um, take care. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Speak to you soon.